Welcome to the Quest for Authentic Manhood. Today's date is Thursday, March the 6th. We're going to be led by Don Munton, the Summit Ministries pastor at First Baptist Church of Houston, in the lesson entitled, 25 Ways to Be a Servant Leader. This is week 22 of our 24-week study. I want to remind all the men that are following along to please complete your manhood plan by the 24th week. And we hope you enjoy today's lesson. Guys, thank you for being here and being a part of this. Uh, it is a uh, privilege on my part to be a part of what you're going through, and so I pray that uh, even today that what I share with you will have an impact. The um, last week we uh, we've gone through in this last 21 weeks we've been going through the history of manhood. We've talked through uh, how we did how we need to deal with our past. We've unpacked maybe gain some great vision of where we're going. So as we have unpacked, we possibly have, in some ways, placed new things into that. We've uh, talked through maybe some wounds that we've had in the past. We've suffered through some difficulties we've gone through. You possibly have, have shared some great, uh, wonderful uh, examples that you've seen, or we've been reminded of examples that you've had before you. There's probably been some aspects in which you've heard some theological point of view, some, some biblical reference in which you said, I've heard that, great reminder, maybe something new in, on that. And so you've written those things down. And so you formulate an, even a, a manhood definition. And so those four aspects of the manhood definition, that we reject passivity, that we uh, accept responsibility, that we live courageously, and that we look for a, great, a greater reward, God's reward, and that we would understand what that means in terms of what we are and who we are. And so here in the last few weeks, we're going to have some real practical aspects. And so a lot of these practical aspects will deal with marriage specifically and fatherhood specifically. And so there's going to be some aspects where you think, well, I'm not married yet, or potentially I don't have children yet, or my kids have all left. And so there's this, uh, the old saying is, is that before uh, you need it, you mine the goal. Before you need it, you go and you go get those things. I love the way Pastor Greg has done this in his life. He would hear great speakers talk about what it meant to be a great husband. And so he would take those truths and he started writing letters to his wife before he was ever married, before he even knew her name. Before he even knew who she was, before he'd ever seen her, he started writing letters to her about who he was, what God was doing in his life. And so when he got married, when he asked uh, Kelly to marry him, he said, here are letters that I have written you before I knew who you were. And these are yours. Uh, these are from me. These are from my heart. And I want to give this to you. He had been mining gold all along. And now that he had an opportunity to take that gold, he could refine that, and he could shape it into a ring, and he could hand that to her, and say, here is who I am. Here is what I've mined for you. So some of these truths may not be things you can put to practice immediately today directly. Now let me tell you what you can do, though. This is not just the idea of husbandhood, uh, fatherhood. This is also manhood. And so for all of us, we may be able to put this to practice at work. We may be able to put this to practice at uh, uh, within a uh, nieces and nephews and with a family, extended family. Uh, I guarantee you what ladies are needing is for us to be godly men. And so that does not disqualify you. So when you walk down the hall, one of the greatest honors I could have is that you'd see my da daughter, and as you talk with her, as you visit with her, as you interact with her, she would see that her dad isn't by himself saying this is the way you go, but she sees that also by an example, by a whole flood of men that are living that way. And she says, hey, when that man comes along, I know what the kind of man I'm looking for looks like. I've seen it. 
through my dad. I've seen that through uh, the cloud of witnesses of Houston's First Baptist. And so she would have an example of that. She would know that. And she wouldn't have to doubt that. And so she doesn't have to wonder about what kind of man she would marry. And so all those things kind of come to play. Last week, we looked at some uh, uh, parts of this in which we talked about what the, the two that we have a, at the core of marriage are two equals with different functions. Two equals with different functions. Uh, what page are you on on this? This is uh, page 71. And so on page 71, you have these, uh, the idea of two equals with different functions. The core is the same for each of us here. What is wrapped around the core looks differently based upon individual careers, interests, hobbies, personalities, passions, temperance, uh, temperaments. And so all those things look differently for you. It colors it differently. But every house has a foundation. Every house has walls. Every house has protection from the, from the elements through a roof and all those. So that all is the same. How the house feels and looks, how, how you decorate it, so to speak, how, it, how, it, how it, uh, the interaction of that house all looks differently. But still at its core is two equals with different functions. For the ladies, that core role is summarized with the title helper. Helper. Her role as a servant is a nurturing role of care and support. It's a nurturing role of care and support. And as she cares, as she sees as, as a helper, as she does those things, as she's protected to, to, to carry out those things, then at that point in time, she then carries those things out. Now, oftentimes what has happened is society told her completely differently. They said, this is not true. You need to be something different. Some of your ladies also have some additional aspects in which they have some great gifts and abilities. And so they, they don't look exactly the same. They may do it differently, but there's an aspect which is the core of this. They are helpers. They are nurturing. They care. They want to have a role of caring and support. And a man's core role is summarized by the word head. By the word head. His role as a servant is a leadership role. Maybe an even a, a better word for us is like a mountain guide. It's in a sense, it's a person who is leading the way, who's willing to do that. We're both on this journey together, but as a leadership role, it is a guide, so to speak, a role of courage and responsibility. Now, sometimes when we think leader, we think autocratic. We think, just got to do this no matter what. That may have to be a part of your, of your relationship. There may be times in which you have to take a step forward and say, honey, I know you don't necessarily agree with me on this. And I know that you were, we're not necessarily on the same footing on this. Let me tell you, if everything goes right, then we both get the benefit. But if it goes wrong, if I am wrong in this, I will take 100% of the responsibility for this. And so when we lead, when we guide, we say, which direction do we go at this point? As we go to the summit, as we go to the top, which direction do we go? There will be a discussion about how the topographical map looks, where we're supposed to head to, what's supposed to go on. At that point, a decision has to be made. We can't stay on this point of the mountain any longer. We must move ahead. And so at that fork in the road, at that decision-making process, then you must be the one who's courageous, who does not sit back passively, let your family go ahead of you and go, hmm, I hope it works out okay. You take the lead and you go forward. To accomplish God's desired servant role as a man is going to require unbelievable courage. Let me, let me speak this to you clearly. The Holy Spirit is like a wind. In fact, one of the ideas behind the idea of the Holy Spirit, it is a baffling wind. It is a wind that in some ways makes no sense. It doesn't, no one sees that, but it is a baffling wind. It is a wind that blows into you. It is a wind that blows through you 
that gives you courage and it baffles everyone around you. Wow, where does he get that courage? How does he do that? Man, how does he put his arms around his family and move forward like that? How do they handle that situation? The world is watching the church and is saying, are you just like us? Do you things things just in your own abilities? Or are you something different? If you are, then do it differently. Baffle us. Be the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing through you. And let me speak this. Courage means, encouragement means to breathe courage into another. And so the Holy Spirit breathes that courage that you need. Say, God, I don't know which way to go. I struggle through this. You let God breathe through His Holy Word, through the, through the church, through support of other people, other men, and you let them breathe courage into you. And you walk forward, and then when you take those steps forward through death, through giving your life away, through all those things, the people say, that's interesting, that's different, that's a baffling wind. Where does that come from? And you say, let me tell you where that comes from. That comes from a relationship I have with Jesus Christ, who lives in me and breathes that courage through me. So the two roles are, are complementary. They complement each other. Last week we looked at the four top needs of a woman, companionship, security, significant, emotional uh, responsiveness. We looked at those four things that they need. If you want further things, there's a book actually in our bookstore by Robert Lewis, who is author of this uh, material called Rocking Through the Rolls, Rocking the Rolls. Uh, great book. and give you some additional actual roles of a man that we're doing on Wednesday night. We went through the first session last night. You're welcome to join us of uh, four weeks gives practical steps of this very same thing. Here are four things you can put to practice. And so uh, we can talk further about that. But the key word, the way this all boils down, is that we as men are to be a servant leader. A servant leader. When it all boils down, who are we? We are to be servant leaders. Now here's what's easy about it. Here's what's, that sounds kind of like, okay, I can, I can put my hands around that. Okay, I'm going to be a servant leader. I'm going to go, do some things. Well, a servant in sense, the, the only way, the test of a servant leadership, the test of being a, a servant is when someone treats you like a slave. When someone treats you like a servant. That's the test of it. And so oftentimes we can say, well, I'll, I'll do these things. And we will list out the things we want to do, but what, what we're supposed to do is to be a servant leader and allow people to treat us like a servant. Now, is there respect to that? Hopefully a good, a good master would treat us with respect. All those things would take place. But you, are, we a, are we a leader? Are we a servant leader? Do we allow that? Do we serve even when we don't want to? Now, men, let me take a, a step back here again and remind you that if you are not married yet, if you are widowed, if you are at this point maybe even separated from... What I'm telling you is a gold mine. What I'm going to give you in these next few minutes are a gold mine. If you are a single adult in this room and you put these things to practice, let me tell you what I've just given you. I've given you a chick magnet, Okay? I have just given you one of the, I'm going to give you some of the best tools. You put this to practice, and what will happen is gals, godly gals, will be drawn to this. It won't be a matter of is there someone to marry. It will be a which one, okay? And there is unbelievable understanding that when this, go, this occurs, when you act this way, that ladies are drawn to this. In fact, what you'll find is as a man, your wife, as a married man, your wife will be drawn to this. As you put this to practice, as you continue to put these things to practice, what will happen is she'll be drawn to you in a way that you think, wow, that's really neat. She, I, don't, I used to have to try to talk her into I used to have to try to do... Now she desires this. Now she steps forward with this. And so it is an unbelievable uh, opportunity to have here. And so uh, one of the things, though, is where do I put this to practice? How do I learn this? 
Some would say, well, I've got a rough home situation. I'm not sure how to put this to practice. Some of you say, you know, I'm a single adult man. Where do you put this to practice? Let me tell you, the number one place you put this to practice, the place that is safe enough to try this, is the church. And so on, the, on your orange sheet there on your table, there's 25 things on one side that and the blanks are already filled in. On the other side, we've made it so you can fill those blanks in. We want you to take this out of your notebook, and we want you to put this to practice. So you can fill in the blanks on the, on the front side of it, and that is how to put it to, to practice in your family. On the other side, it is how do you put this to practice in your Bible study classes. Men, if you are going to HFBC and you are flying at, at 20,000 feet, let me tell you where you need to get. You need to come down to a Bible study class where this becomes real in your life. You need to get involved with people who know you. You need to put it to practice in a Bible study class where people know your name, they know your heartfelt need, and where people can then minister to you and you can minister to them in a real significant way. The reason we break this room up and don't put you in chairs and put you at tables is you can break this thing down. You can put this to practice here at the church. It is a place that you can say, I'm not sure how to do that at home. You say, great, no problem. Then start putting it to practice in your church. You say, my home is a little strained. I understand. Put this to practice and test it out at the church. Put it to practice in your Bible study classes. There's where you have your template. Then you take that as you've learned that, and you say, okay, now I, I, know, I understand how to put that here. Let me take that home. Let me, let me put that to practice here. And so you put that to practice within the church. And so on the other side, it just simply gives you all those filled in already for you. So number one, we're going to run through this quickly. Number one, a servant leader includes his wife when envisioning the future. He includes his wife when envisioning the future. So often we live, don't we live, at a day-to-day -day panic, unsure of we're, what we're doing. The problem is that we never stop to envision our destination. Where are we going? Anybody climb a 14er lately? Anybody climb one in the last 50 years? 14,000-foot peak. Got one? Anybody else? Let me tell you what happens on 14,000. I just took my leadership team this past summer, a, a summit leadership team. Anybody wanted to go on a 14er, we climbed it. And as we went to the top of that mountain, here's what happened. Two things. One, part way up the mountain, you said, what in the world am I doing up here? This is the dumbest thing. It's beautiful, but I could, you know, I could have driven past all this and seen that. Why am I doing this? And there's going to be a point in which we just go, oh, why in the world have I done this? But there is a, when we were, when we were miles away, we saw the peak that we were going to get to the top of. We saw that. We envisioned that. Part way up, we said, what in the fat am I doing up here? Man, I could have. I could have taken a picture of this. I could have got a postcard. I could have done something else. And there's was, there was a flood of emotions that hit. And as you go up, there's a point in which you think, oh, there's a summit. And then you get to the next ridge, and you look and go, that's not the summit. That's the summit. And there's this false summit that happens at every single time. And you have this vision of where you're going, and then you realize, no, that was only the, the, the false summit. That wasn't the, that wasn't all, that's the summit. And all of a sudden, you have this flood of, can I ever get there? Will I ever make it? And you start taking these little baby steps. You look down at your feet and you start just taking little steps like this, okay? And then you look and say, I'm going to get to that post right there. And you take that next 27, then you stop. Oh, what in the world am I doing up here? But you know what? I see where I'm going, and I'm going to continue on the path. There's some times in which you, all the way up there you wonder, what's going on? Is this going to work? Is this really going to happen? Let me tell you, every time you get to the place and the destination you want to go to, when you get there, you go, now I see. Now I understand. Now I know why we did this. When you climb that 14 and you get to the top and you look around you, the panoramic view, and you say, this was worth it. 
And so the same thing, when you sit down with your wife and you sit down and you have a, a discussion about where we're going, how are we going to get there, what's going to happen along the way, that's our destination. What's that, what does it look like for our kids to get there? What does it look like for you and I? How do you want, in, in 20 years, honey, what kind of marriage do you want? In 20 years, what do you want our kids to be? What do you want them to go through? How do we do that? As you envision the future, it is a great time. If you're not married, it's a DTR discussion. Let's define the relationship. Let's work through that. Where are we right now? And so, men, you're at the bottom of a great mountain of life. You're at the bottom. You have a destination ahead of you. It is an unbelievable adventure all along the way. On this 14er, as we went up along the way, we got to this one point. We never saw it in, in advance. But we turn around this one corner, and all of a sudden, there's this clear blue crystal pond. It is unbelievable. It is beautiful. We never expected it along the way. It is so unbelievable. My wife and I would not supposed to have kids. Partway in our marriage, God blesses us with, with, with a child. It was like I, we came across a mountaintop. We never expected it. We thought we'll be the greatest uncles and aunts. We'll be able to go mission, any mission deal. But God, we really also desire a child. But Father, if we don't have that, we're good with that. We're on the journey. You do whatever you want to do to surprise us along the way. And on that journey, all of a sudden, we went around this corner, and there it was. And so I have a daughter who's 14 now, and I look out and I go, wow. She's getting ready to do a play tonight and then tomorrow night. And I think, wow, what a great experience. What a great opportunity. And all along the way, you're at the bottom of a great mountain of life. A servant leader includes his class. Not only, but see, how do you put this in practice in church? Let me give you an example. A servant leader includes his class, male and female, when envisioning the future of their class. Take your class, class out to hunt retreat. Be the type of man who leads. Check out your class. What do we need? Be involved in the leadership of your, of your Bible study class. Where are we going, class? What do we want to do? How can we grow as a unit, but also how can we reach out to people who are going to hell? How can we do that? How can we reach people? How can we do those things? And so you get a vision of what to do. Number two, a servant leader accepts spiritual responsibility for his family. Did you know that if 100 kids come to church, about 20 to 25 families follow? If 100 ladies come to church, about 20 families will follow. But did you know that if 100 husbands come to this church, that 97 families will follow? When the man leads, they set the pace. When they lead, the family follows. Where you go is where, you, is where your family goes. How you go is how your family goes. If you go to church and you're grumpy the whole time, got your hands in the pocket, think there's nothing going to happen today, I'm doing it because I'm supposed to do it, I'm a man, I'm going to lead, I'm going to get here, then your family will fall the same way. My sons, four and seven, will sometimes say to me, Dad, I don't want to go to church. I said, oh, son, great, I understand. But you know what? We're men. We're going. It's going to be a blast. Afterwards, which always happens, they get done, I go to Sunday school class to go get them. They go, Dad, they come running to me and say, what would you learn today? Was it worth it? Are you glad you came? Yeah, I'm so glad I came. I'm so glad I came too. Let's go home and let's, we'll come back next week. It's great, ain't it? And so we, we, we envision those things. We talk about those things. I'm excited to be at church. They'll be excited about church. If I come here drudgingly, they'll come here drudgingly. If I think there's no God going to be spoken about, I'm going to get no vision for the future, I'm going to get nothing from church, they will get nothing. They just will. And so you lead in an unbelievable way. A servant leader accepts spiritual responsibility for his Bible study class. That's how you put it to practice. We take spiritual responsibility. A servant leader is willing to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, to his family. 
Let me add two other things to that. They say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. They also say these two things. You're right, honey. You're right, son. You're right. I'm wrong. Remember Fonzie's movie, Happy Days? Remember Fonzie couldn't say it? I'm wrong. I'm wrong. He couldn't say I'm wrong. And, remember, and so many of us live in a, in, a, in a false humility, and we say nothing. We need to say, I am wrong. This is not okay. And so those 12 words are golden. Divorced dads, let me take a, let me take a step back. No judgment I'm giving here. I'm just going to give you some, I think, very wise counsel. Here's what you need to do. Next time you see your son, when appropriate, or daughter, regardless of who was at fault in the divorce, Look your kids in the eye and say, I am so sorry that we're divorced. Would you forgive me? It will set your kid free. It is unbelievable. It doesn't matter who's at fault, son, daughter. It doesn't matter what happened. I'm so sorry. It did. That's where we are. And would you forgive me? It will set you free. A servant leader is one who is willing to say, I'm sorry and forgive me to his Bible study class. Practice it. Put it to practice. A servant leader discovered, number four, a servant leader discusses household responsibilities with wives to make sure that they are fairly, distri- fairly distributed. That they discuss the household responsibilities. You are not done at 5 p.m. Okay? You're not done. In fact, you get a great responsibility. Now you get to go, honey, how can we take care of the rest of the day? On the drive home, I oftentimes have this discussion with myself. I, Lord, um, I'm pretty tired right now. I'm not really excited about going home. I'd rather just go take a nap. But my boys are needing me. My daughter's needing me. And I know my wife's needing me. She's been with the kids all day long. She's had it. She's worn out. She's been working just like me. And so, God, could you give me the grace to go home and be excited to be at home? Could you give me the ability to go, go do the chores? Could you go give me the ability not to get mad because my kids are going to be fussy? Can you give me the ability not to react my wife tells me the things I haven't done when I get home, right? Can you give me the ability to love on my wife? Can you give me the ability to make it a brand new day? Could you just give me the power? Could you give me a baffling win? Can you give me the power of your Holy Spirit to blow through me? Can I be the man I need to be when I get there? And it's amazing how the Lord refreshes you on that few minutes home. And you just dream about that, think about that, and how you get home and say, Hey, honey, how can I help you? I'm home. Your hero's here. What do you need? How can I help you? Let's go for it. Hey, kids, come on, let's go jump on the trampoline. Let's go make it happen. Okay? You've been in the house all day? What a terrible place to be. Let's get outside. Let's go play catch. Let's go play football. I've got my son now running and catching the ball. I'm so excited about that. He actually is still moving his feet when he catches, but stop, catch something. He's seven. He's just, ah, so fun just to watch all that. So when you come home, at 5 o'clock, your day is not done. In fact, it just the best part of your day has just begun. And so our servant leader looks to take household responsibility and distribute them fairly. Get your kids involved. Don't let them get away with this, by the way. If you have little boys, they need to, be the, they need to understand they're heroes because they work. They're responsible. They do those things. Let them be the man of the family with you. Have fun with the chores. Spraying the sprayer is unbelievable fun. Uh, a servant leader discusses class responsibilities with the class and makes sure responsibilities are distributed appropriately. Number five, a servant leader seeks the consultation of his wife on all major financial decisions. All financial decisions. 
Here's how my mom and dad said it. Anything over, I think it was $20 for a long time, I think maybe it's $50 now, but whatever that amount is, nothing happens without them both discussing. My mom has a great ability to uh, organize things. She's very, very good at it. My dad is kind of a happy-go-lucky little more guy, and so he's got money in his pocket. He's good. So mom would say, here's your $20 for uh, this week for your allowance. And so, you know, that's a cup of coffee, donut, <laughs> whatever. And so on his way to work, he would do those things. He still meets with a bunch of guys for, for donuts uh, every, uh, every morning. And so as he gets together and he talks with those guys, he has those $20 in his pocket. But every time they make a decision, there's going to be a discussion that goes on. My mom and dad... Or my dad was a boilermaker. Okay? I'm a son of a boilermaker. Okay? I don't know how you say that. It sounds kind of funny, but it's, I'm, I'm, he, was a boy, he was a welder. My mom and dad put to practice God's principles financially. What happened at that point is they bought every car by cash. We lived and had some old cars for a while. But every car they had bought, they bought by cash. Their house, when they retired, they bought by cash. They have gone all over the world on mission trips since they retired. They're busier now than they've ever been. They've done all those things, and they've been a, a welder. But they put to practice these principles that God, anytime you have financial, major financial decisions, they never did it. And so my mom and dad would have the discussions. Don't surprise your wife by suddenly having a new bass boat in your, in your, in your yard, you know, kind of deal. Get nitpick on her for anything she does, and all of a sudden you've got a new bass boat sitting there. What's that, honey? Uh, it's a bass boat. I think we need one of those. You know, it's just hard to kind of uh, deal with. And so a servant leader seeks consultation from the women of the class along with the men of the class on financial responsibilities within the class. Number six, a servant leader follows through with commitments he has made with his wife. Follows through. Trust is the glue of any relationship. Trustworthiness begins today. How do you build trust? Start today. Do what you say you're going to do. Carry it out. A servant leader will follow through with commitments he has made to his class. Here's how my dad does it. He has a group of old men, 65 and older. He's 80 years old now. He says, I'm going to be here 44 weeks out of the year. You can count on me being there. I'll be gone these eight weeks. I will be here. I will have read my lesson. I will have prayed. I will have prayed for each one of you. When I get here, I'll have a lesson prepared for you so that we're ready to go. If you do the same, I think you'll get more out of it. And so these old men meet together. Now he says, in these other eight weeks, I'm going to go meet, visit my kids. And so oftentimes they'll come in the middle of the week and be gone because they have a commitment back at church. And they'll make sure they're there for the responsibilities of they have a church. And they'll follow through with that commitment. I have watched my dad be trusted do trustworthy things, and he is now trustworthy. A servant leader will follow through on commitments. Servant leader anticipates, number seven, a servant leader anticipates the different seasons of his marriage will pass through, the, what, they, what they'll pass through. A servant leader anticipates the different seasons his marriage will pass through. Marriage is a serial monogamy. Let me explain what I mean by that. In the first marriage of my marriage, we had no children. It was a blast. Four and a half years, we had no children. We just went wherever we went. Did truth. God, you want to go there? We're going there. Let's go make it happen. So we went on mission trips. We didn't, it was unbelievable. Had a blast. In the second marriage of my marriage, we had children. It took me a little while to catch up. It took me a little while to figure out, uh-oh, i got a kid. i got to figure this out. I can't just go spring this on everybody. I gotta, okay, got to get them prepared for that. Got to go. But it has been a blast. There's a day coming in which I'll have uh, in a sense, the uh, third marriage of my marriage, and my kids will be out of the house. They'll be gone. And at that point, I have to anticipate that, understand this is a new season of our life. What kind of marriage are we going to have in this season? Number, uh, the end of number seven, a servant leader anticipates the different seasons of your class, where you're at as a class in, in your church. Your class is in a season of life. Enjoy today, but prepare them for tomorrow. 
Number eight, the servant leader anticipates the different stages of his kids will pass through, and his leadership must adjust to those stages. I have a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a 14-year-old, all of different stages of life. My 14-year-old daughter can reason. I can have discussions about just general topics and abstract ideas. My four-year-old son still just needs me to go out and jump on the trampoline. I don't have a long discussion about, you know, you're a young man, and you're going to be, you know, one day you're going to have to understand how to uh, love on a woman. He didn't know how to do that. He said, you didn't give your mom a kiss, and that's how he works. Now, my daughter, I can have those discussions, and so I take her out for, for dates, and as I take her out on those dates, we have these discussions about abstract ideas. Let's talk about boys. Let's talk about feelings. Let's talk about how life looks. Let's talk about where you're going. Let's talk about your dreams. Let's talk about those things. My four-year-old just wants to go jump on the trampoline. And so wherever you are with your kids, you anticipate that, you understand that, and you walk through that. Number eight, a servant leader anticipates the different stages the class parents will pass through and his leadership must adjust to those stages. Number nine, a servant leader tells his wife what he likes about her. What he likes about her. Learn this skill, and it's like putting jet fuel into a pinto, okay? I mean, that little pinto is going to take off, okay? Don't get rear-ended by it to blow up, but it'll take off, okay? And it'll be like, man, put the juice in. Here's what I mean by that. People like general uh, uh, encouragement. Hey, guys, you are great for getting up at 6 o'clock, but if I go to you and say, man, I know that you have made a sacrifice. I know you've been up all night. I have a, a, a policeman. He'd be up all night. Come here first thing at the end of his shift. Hey, man, I is such a sacrifice. Thanks for serving us all night long while we were sleeping, and thanks for being here. When you specifically encourage your wife, hey, honey, man, I love it when you dress up. Man, that dress looks so nice on you. Man, it just makes me be proud when I, when I see you interact with the kids and you're encouraging to them and you're nice. Man, that, I just, it makes me want to be all the nicer. Man, I love it when you talk nice, to, when, you, when you encourage your kids this way, when you do this, when you do those. Man, you encourage specifically and you will get unbelievable benefits from it. A servant leader frequently brags on class successes. Brag on your church. Brag on your Sunday school class. Brag on those things. Number 10, a servant leader provides financially for his family's basic living expenses. Dave Ramsey, tell you all about this. I think he's on 9.50, uh, 11 to 2, is that right? He's on 9.50. Noon to what? Noon to 3? Noon to 2. Listen to Dave Ramsey. Turn it on when you're at lunch break. He'll tell you all about all this stuff. But here's the way Jeff Stringer, a friend of mine's uh, granddad, said it at his wedding. He said, son, I know three things. First of all, make sure when you go into marriage that she knows the remote control is yours. Okay, number one. Most important, she knows remote control is yours. Number two is you make sure that she always has a little bit extra in her purse. You always put $20 extra. Hey, honey, here's the budget, but you know what? Here's $20 extra. Blow it however you want to blow it. Spend whatever. It's yours. I don't care. Just do. So make sure she's got a little extra money in her, in her purse. And number three, never go to bed, ever, without saying I love you. Now, that's a wise man. They were married 50-plus years at that time. That's a wise man. Encouraging he understood that he makes sure that the living expenses and the finances provi are provided for and that there's a little extra, and he makes sure his wife has that. A servant leader provides for those in financial need within a Bible study class. That's how it looks in your class. Number 11, a servant leader deals with distractions so he can talk with his wife and family. A servant leader deals with distractions and, uh, so he can talk with his wife and family. Sometimes distractions are like a fever. There's only one prescription that can get you focused, men. In fact, I've got a little video clip that I think this 
this fever that comes, this distraction that comes, I think this will help us kind of understand this. So if we'd watch this here real quick. After a series of staggering defeats, Blue Oyster Cult assembled in the recording studio in late 1976 for a session with fame producer Bruce Dickinson. And luckily for us, the cameras were rolling. All right, guys. I, I think we're ready to lay this first track down. By the way, my name is Bruce Dickinson. Yes, the Bruce Dickinson. And I got to tell you, fellas, you have got what appears to be a dynamite sound. Coming from you, Bruce, that means a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're Bruce Dickinson. This is incredible. I can't believe Bruce Dickinson digs our sound. Easy, guys. I put my pants on, just like the rest of you, one leg at a time. Except once my pants are on, I make gold records. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Fear, don't fear the reaper. Take one, roll it. All right. One, two, three, four. Second, please. That, that was going to be a great track, guys. What's the deal? Uh, are, are you sure that was sounding okay? I'll be honest, fellas, it was sounding great, but I could have used a little more cowbell. <laughs> so, let's take it again. And Gene, yeah, really explore the studio space this time. You got it, Bruce. I mean, really. Yeah. Explore the space. Okay. I like what I'm hearing. Roll it. One, two, three, four. This last one was even better than the first. Well, it's just that I find Gene's cowbell playing distracting. I don't know. If I'm the only one, I'll shut up. No, it's pretty rough. You know, I can pull it back a little if you like. Not too much, though. I'm telling you, fellas, you're going to want that cowbell on the track. You know what? It's fine. Let's just do the thing. Okay, roll it. One, two, three, four. work for me. I gotta have more cowbell. Don't blow this for us, Gene! You're <laughs> being so selfish, Gene. Can I just say one thing? Yeah, baby, just say it. I'm standing here staring at rock legend Bruce Dickinson. The cock and a walk, baby. 
And if Bruce Dickinson wants more cowbell, we should probably give him more cowbell. Anything. And Bobby, you are right. I am being selfish. But the last time I checked, we don't have a whole lot of songs that feature the cowbell. I gotta have more cowbells, baby. And I'd be doing myself a disservice and every member of this band if I didn't perform the hell out of this. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbells. Thank you, Bruce. I think if, I think if, I, if I just leave and I'll, maybe I'll come back later and we can lay down the cowbells. Come on, baby. Gene, wait. Why don't you lay down that cowbell right now with us together? Do you mean that, Eric? Oh, yeah. Space for all of us. Thank you. Babies, before we're done here, y'all be wearing gold-plated diapers. What does that mean? Never question Bruce Dickinson. Roll it. Well, I, I felt like we needed maybe a little distraction. You get a list of 25 things, you kind of go, oh, my goodness. And so... Uh, Sometimes, you know, I get a fever, and I, the only prescription is more cowbell. So, you know, every once in a while, you might just have to bring the cowbell out a little bit. So thanks for letting me make a break right here in the middle of all that. It has nothing to do with anything, but it is a lot of fun. So, and by the way, every time I watch that, I laugh more. I don't know what. I, 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 the, the guy in the background that starts to laugh, and he's, he's trying real hard to get serious, but he, can, he can't take it, and then he starts biting his drumstick. I just start seeing little things. Anyway. A uh, servant leader deals with distractions so he can talk with his wife and family. Turn off the TV, turn off the radio, turn off the cell phone, get off the, the crackberry, turn off the things, and turn on your wife and kids, gang. Just turn it off. It's not worth it, okay? Put the TV in the closet if you need, a, need help on the TV. If you need help on the computer, just unplug it at 9 o'clock. Do what you need to. Get off, this, off those things. A servant leader deals with distractions within his class, even hobbies and stuff for the future of the class. Number 12, a servant leader prays with his wife on a regular basis. Just prays. Let me tell you this. You will never look taller to your wife. You will never look a, a more of a man than when you get on your knees before your Heavenly Father. Then she knows you're not just doing your own thing, that you're trusting God to lead in the right kind of way. And you'll never look taller. Now, again, uh, oftentimes what this looks like is maybe you all praying. Your wife may not want to pray initially with you, it's a pretty humbling deal. So when Everett was up here earlier and saying that here's the number one thing in my marriage that brings us together. It's our glue. Let's just pray, honey. It's unbelievable. It can be one minute. It can be 20 minutes. It doesn't matter. It, it somehow glues us together, brings us together. Pray with your family. Pray with your wife. A servant leader I, uh, initiates meaningful family traditions. You initiate this. Don't want your wife. Don't let your, other, your extended family. You initiate some family traditions. Make those things happen. Not just on the holidays, but make some things happen that are regular. My wife and I have, had for, we just thought it was important that every night before they go, my kids go to bed that they would pray and they would sing songs and they'd talk about their day. And so oftentimes my seven-year-old say, I don't want to talk about today. Okay, I'm going to be here anyway until you start talking about your day. So he goes to school, anytime you're ready, I'm ready. So sometimes he gets a little mad about it. But we just stick with it. And so he just knows it's part of the routine. Let me tell you what's best about my day. Okay. And he tells me what's best about his day. But every night, and now if I don't show up, hey, Dad, 
Dad, I can't go to sleep. Why? I haven't talked about my day. Come in here. I need you to come. Don't leave. I need a song. Dad. And so there's family traditions, whatever those might be. You must make those things happen. My kids want me to sing to them. That is a miracle in itself right there, okay? So anyway, um, anyway in fact, we have some, uh, some of this we talk about. They're called milestones on midweek, on Wednesdays. We have milestones. We talk about some of these traditions and ways to do those things. And so that's part of what those milestones are all about. A servant leader initiates fun outings for his family on a regular basis. Servant leader initiates family outings. I have a little bag. It has all the things that we shoot up in the air. It has planes in it. It has little swirly gigs in it. And we just take those things to a park. Eric and I live next to each other. And so uh, we go out to the park. It is just fun. Hey, Dad, can we take the bag of of planes and, and, and rockets and stuff out? Sure, let's go get those. We take the scooters, put them in the back of the truck. We take them. We just go down to the park, and we just make a, a, an afternoon of it. We just make it make it happen. And so having those kinds of fun outings, go to the zoo, go bowling. We have a bowling alley right here, gang. I mean, it's unbelievable. Your kids love will love bowling, the, a bike riding, trips, name you name it. You just may do it, and they, they'll be a part of it. A regular vacation times and visiting family. Take pictures and view those pictures after you get done. A servant leader takes time to give his children practical instruction about life, which it turns gives them confidence with their peers. Give you practical instruction to your kids. Now, again, if it's not your kids, do this with other people's kids. If a kid doesn't know how to tie his shoes, teach him how to tie the shoes. Okay? It, it gives them confidence. I can tie my shoe. You can't tie your shoe. I'm bigger than you. Well, huh? you know, it just gives them confidence to be able to do those things, whatever that might be, shooting baskets, catching a ball, uh, changing a flat tire, changing the oil in the car, whatever that might be, teaching the... I had... The other day, I was under the truck. I have an old uh, 95 pickup truck. Got underneath there to change the oil. I had both my kids. I couldn't even get the wrench on because both my kids were so much underneath the truck. I couldn't. I don't remember changing the oil with my dad. I mean, it was one of those things. I go, huh, Dad, why didn't you teach us? He says, I always took it in. Huh, never thought about that. One of the reasons I like a 1995 truck is this old beat-up thing is my kids can go look in it. They can jump into it. We can kind of work around on it. It's not too complicated. They can get, so when we're changing the oil, they're right there with me. And so do traditions, do things, uh, give them practical instructions that will give them confidence with their peers. A servant leader manages the schedule at home and anticipates any pressure points. Here's one of my favorite dates with my wife. We go out with our schedule and our calendar. Let's talk about what's coming up this week and the months ahead. And I get my palm pilot with me. We're writing those things down. Let me tell you, you can eat cheap papacitos if you get uh, fajitas for one and you share them and ask for tortillas instead of chips. Fills you up every time, about 15, 16 bucks. You get coffee on top of it, 20 bucks. And so you got a cheap date night. You get there about 5.30, 6.30 in the evening. Nobody's there. It's unbelievable. You can get through all the calendar and the planning. My wife and I love to go to the grocery store. Why? Because we talk. We don't want to go to a movie. Someone else is talking for us. We go, we go to a grocery store because we talk through that. We figure out what's going on. And so we schedule and we plan what's coming up. A servant leader manages the class schedule. At church, you manage your class schedule. You help lead that. Number 17, a servant leader keeps his family financially sound and out of of harmful debt. A servant leader keeps his family financially sound and out of harmful debt. Debt, by the way, okay, I'm I'm in agreement here with with Dave Ramsey. Okay, I'm in agreement. Debt is not sin. Okay, so don't equate that. Debt can be unbelievably destructive. Debt is not sin. Biblically, it's not sin. But if you are the debtor, then what you do is you have a person you must pay first. That means you are, in a sense, uh, responsible for that person first. It may leave you from not being able to be free to do other things. It keeps you from building wealth because you've got to pay somebody else first. It keeps you from a lot of things. 
it is not sin. It is a wise principle. It is a wise, sound financially. If you've been out of debt, if you have no debt, to be able to do those things. So my parents got out of debt when we were young, stayed out of debt, started building a nest egg, started building those things. And so when they got older, they could buy a house with cash. They could buy cars with cash. They buy, they, they buy a car. They give cash. They get great deals on it because they don't, they don't have any mortgage finances. They don't have any payments and stuff. So they get great deals on that cash. So you work those things out. A servant leader, number 18, makes sure he and his wife have drawn up a will and arranged a well-conceived plan for the children in case of death. A plan for the children in case of death. Let me tell you, one of the saddest things I have ever done in my life is I was a friend who uh, had a, a debilitating disease, died when he was 47 years of age, and, but knew he was going to die. But one of the things that kept him alive was he was unbelievably strong in regards to he was going to fight this disease that he had. He was on his deathbed, had gone through a coma on, uh, on New Year's Day back a few years ago. And I sat there um, with his, uh, wife, his widow, to be, uh, with his wife. And they did not have a will. He knew he was dying. I mean, no question he was dying. There's not going to be a better day health-wise for him. The next day was never going to be better than the day before. Never was going to be. But one of the things that kept him alive and kept him strong was, I'm going to fight this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to give it all. And so he didn't have a will. He came out of the coma, and his wife said, you need to go in there and talk to him about signing his will. Well, I couldn't do it. I walked in, and I said, I, I, if you just trust me on this, I, I, can't, I can't go in there and do that to my friend when he comes out of a coma. I, can't, I just can't do it. I do want to help you, but I don't think I can do that. So I went in and, and visited with him. We had a, a long visit, just, just loved on him, just talked about life, talked about him, talked about the Cardinals, which is very, very precious for both of us. And so we talked about it, just fun things, talked about uh, life in heaven, talked about all those things, and I left. She's, his wife Wedderwood was out in the hallway. She said, did you talk about, about his will? I said, no, I'll do that tomorrow. I just need to let him know I loved him. Well, what if he dies? Well, I, I, I needed him to first know I loved him. I, I couldn't do that. Next morning I went in and said, are you ready to sign the will? He said, yep. We got him, and he could barely lift his hand. We got a guy to come in, and he signed his will. Unbelievably sad. It took all the pressure off his wife at that point. His wife then at that point knew where finances were going to go, what was going to happen. It was unbelievable. Guys, just get your will. Just get it taken care of. It's simple. It costs us maybe, I think our church does it every so often, don't we, Eric? Every so often. So just do that. Take care of it. It's, it's, it's a tragedy if you don't. Number 19, a servant leader lets his wife and children into the interior of his life. This is hard. This is hard probably for a lot of your dads, and maybe even hard for you, but put it to practice early if you're young. If you're older, start putting this to practice now. Tell your growing up stories. Tell those stories. Tell people how you feel after, uh, uh, before just a reaction takes place. Tell them how you feel about things. Number 20, a servant leader honors his wife often in public. Often in public. She's the best thing you've ever had. She'll be the best thing you should ever have. As you brag on her in, in public, make a fuss over her. Number 21, a servant leader explains sex to each child in a way that gives them a wholesome perspective on it. There's all kinds of, of, of great information on this. James Dobson is preparing for adolescence. He has an audio form. If you don't want to read, listen to how boys are, are to interact on those things. Number 22, a servant leader encourages his wife to grow as an individual. A servant leader encourages his wife to grow as an individual. My wife wanted to write a book. Amen. I like give her that freedom to do that. She got up at 4.30 in the morning. We said, let's go for it. So she, you do that. And I didn't get my nose in it. That was her book. You do that. I, be, I, I support you. Number 23, a servant leader takes the lead and establish with his wife sound biblical supportive family values. 
What are the values of your home? How do we do those things? What are the priorities of these values? Number 24, servant leader joins a small group of men who are dedicated to improving their skills as a man, husband, and father. I met with uh, Eric and I used to meet together on this. I have another guy that I've met with for a long time. Uh, Pastor Greg likes to call them, instead of accountability groups, cultivation groups. You have a positive destination. You have a garden you're growing. You have a, you have a, a, a product you're producing. And so you do those things. Get rid of the weeds. Make it so that, that your, the, the good things in your life have an ability to grow. And finally, a servant leader provides time for his wife to pursue her own personal interests. Give her time. Hey, honey, I got the kids. You go out and uh, go to Starbucks, have some time. My wife needs just time every so often just to read, just, to get, just not to have the kids right there. Get a babysitter in advance. Do those things. Man, this is uh, your lifetime pursuit. Okay? You can't get this done. It's not a to-do list. This is your lifetime pursuit. And so start putting some of these. In fact, at your tables, I'd like you to discuss. Take a couple of those and say, these are a couple I can put to practice now. Here's how I can implement that. Make that happen. Best gift I gave my wife last, uh, last two Christmases, I gave her a date night, automatic, babysitters already found, already lined up, gave it, paid those babysitters in advance. All, here's your, here's your, your gift, honey. Here's what I want to do. Uh, this year, I, she, likes, uh, having a, she likes to clean her house and mind that, but she just sometimes needs help. So I got her a, a, a maid service to come in uh, uh, twice a month just to help her out, just to give her a little extra. I asked her in advance, would you like that? Yeah, I'd love that. Great. Take that care of for the year and make sure that happens. Let's pray. Well, thanks so much for your love for us. Thanks for these great suggestions and ideas. We know we can't put it all to practice today. For some of us, we've got some of these in, 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 in shape. We're doing these. But, Father, just give us patience to carry them out. As we discuss around the table, just give us ideas on what to implement, what to put to practice. Father, if we're not married yet, then, Father, I pray we mind some some ore right now, and that we find that, and it's ready, so we need to have time to, to shape it into a ring, if that gold is ready to go, and we're ready to, to pass that on to our wife. Father, may this not just be something we do in our families, but may this be, the, be in the family of God. May we put this in practice within our Bible study classes. Make this uh, be, Father. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hey, I hate to interrupt. Just to remind you all that on the 20th of March, we will not meet. That's actually a spring break week. It's the 16th to the 23rd. So uh, that's a vacation time for a lot of families and everything else. So we will not have Quest that week. So just letting you all know that. So that's in two weeks. Yeah, next week we have it. And in two weeks we don't. Does everyone get the emails that we send out? Raise your hand if you do. So I can just know. Okay, okay. So that's, I just want to be sure. Good, as you were. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.